say good evening to everyone, can I? Because, let's be honest, the Brisbane Roar's A-League form doesn't really qualify for a good evening. The W-League on the other side, good evening, Scott. Good evening, Adam. How's everyone going? Uh, yeah, go- going well. Uh, this wish this rain would bugger off, but then again, you know what? It must be raining, so it's NPL season. Scott, how are you? Yeah, the rain matches the mood of Brisbane's A-League fan base, doesn't it, at the moment, unfortunately? A bit gloomy. It- it does. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. As you have just heard, it's James Scott and Adam here with you on this dreary Tuesday night as we await kickoff in the Shea Connors Derby in the NPL women's action here in Queensland. We are covering all football in southeast Queensland. A-League, W-League, NPL, FQPL, pretty much whatever pops up on our feeds. And very pleased to have you joining us for the next hour or so, however you're choosing to listen to us. We are recording on a Tuesday night as opposed to a usual Wednesday night slot because, well, sometimes life gets in the way and some of us have plans on a Wednesday. Before we get into it, let's just go through our usual plugs. Um, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. Still working on changing that. Twitter, at BNE Football. On those social accounts, you'll find live coverage of every single Brisbane Raw senior match plus select National Premier League's matches across both both the men's and women's division uh email facebook twitter you can send through feedback we put the call out uh, for it last week on the podcast we'd love to uh, have some audience interaction on that we did have a couple of uh submissions during the week and thanks to those of you who already have uh so just going to put out another call for it as well and now we may as well get into the brisbane roars a-league clash with western united from sunday evening and well, it was a sixth straight match without a win for the Raw. It was another match where they really struggled in front of goal. The fourth time in that six-match run, they've been held without a goal. And quite frankly, Scott, if yep. you aren't hitting the panic button already, what are you doing? I would be looking for it. I think it's fair to say in the front uh, there's a bit of panic at the moment in terms of how you fix the issues. And it's a bit. It's actually a carbon copy of what we've seen in the last few weeks, isn't it? The Raw have created... Once again, some pretty good chances in the game and haven't taken them. And at the other end of the field, one ounce of quality from the opposition and and they've won the game once again. It's it's the same pattern we've seen in the last few weeks, unfortunately. And it's going to have to snap at some point. Adam? Yeah, it's a, it, it seems like a similar tune. Um, look, if, if games if games were won by, you know, just solely defence, you know, you'd almost say, that, yeah, Raw are, uh, you know, going very well. Other than the, the Perth uh, match where they, they shipped three, the defence has been has been great. But the problem is, is that games are won, loss of putting the ball in the back of your opponent's net. And that's what's not happening at the moment for the Raw. Uh, not not without lack of trying, um, as, as we'll get into shortly. But, uh, yeah, some, something's got to give. Because um, ever since that, that glut of five goals um, against uh, you know, Melbourne victory on that uh, that game up at Redcliffe, uh, goals have just dried up uh, like, like at outback drought, basically. 
it, it is frustrating, and you can start to you can really start to feel the frustration building in the Brisbane Raw camp. Let's hear uh, what manager Warren Moon had to say after that match. No, absolutely fair result. If you don't take your chances, you deserve nothing. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say we're worthy of a point. We, uh, you know, we've, we've been this way for a couple of weeks now. We're creating chances, and but if you don't take them, you're not good enough to win the game. Um, oh, well, you saw the game tonight. Did you think we were good in the game? Yeah, well, we look, we created good chances. We created chances in the second half. And, you know, I didn't see the shot count, but I'd say we created more than them. So, um, look, for us, we just got to keep working hard. We've got to keep trying to find solutions in that final third to score. And uh, right now, it's not happening for us. And, uh, yeah, so that's how it is. All right, thanks to uh, the A-League, I guess, for that audio. That, that sounds about right there, Scott. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so that was Warren Moon on the match. And above all else, Adam, yeah, as we, as Scott mentioned, the Raw were just undone by a moment of unbelievable brilliance from Alessandro Diamanti again. It's one of those things where you both love and hate the guy because he is just that good and capable of producing the moments of magic. I would just much prefer it if he didn't produce them against the Raw. Yeah, it looks like that uh, the, the human wall at the moment has one slight flaw, and that seems to be across from the, from the left, and then a header cut back you know, across him. That seems to be the only way they're getting past him at the moment. Um, and look, we, we, we praised Joel King's cross to Babo uh, you know, last week against Sydney as, as, as brilliant. And look, this... The um, one for Diamante, it didn't look like... It looked fairly innocuous as far as a cross goes, but it was the positioning, and, and I guess as well as Dylan Pierce's hustle, who, you know, really served, you know... That was, his, I think, his third a- attempt, you know, a legitimate goal-scoring chance. He finally sort of nailed it. And, um, and yeah, and that, I think also in a way that uh, he sort of... They also caught out uh, Corey Brown, sort of, I guess, just a ball watch of that slight second. And that was enough to be um, be the difference in the game, um, pretty much. Scott? Yeah, it was. It was a difference, wasn't it? And it's a case he's such a class player, Alessandro Diamante. I imagine the instructions for players in the front third are, just make your run and he'll find you. With the, with the quality he's got, he'll find you more often than not. And that seemed to be the case because it was a good run to the back post, but it was... Even from it, it was a narrow angle as well. That's what that's what frustrates me about it. Is it was a, it wasn't really like a clear chance right in front of goal, was it? It was a pretty narrow angle for a diving header to go across the face. It was a great bit of play, but defending there wasn't the best. It's fair to say, and it was a slight lapse in what's been the stronger part of the Raw's team for the last few weeks. But even still, you you have to be if you you have to be able to recover from conceding a goal and conceding one goal in a game, and that's really the problem isn't it they go a goal down at the moment and it's despite the effort that you could see in the team it just wasn't clicking in the front third and I think Western's tactics probably also got under the Raw's skin a little bit in the last 10 minutes while all the time wasting the carry on in the corner and all the rest of it but I just it is when you're watching that you never really felt the Raw would get back into it at 1-0 yeah it does look like Western United had done their tactics studying uh, the Raw footage which I assume was delivered on a USB stick, but um, overall... He's a master of tactics like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, that's the one thing that I suppose isn't sending me into a full-blown meltdown on this team, is it doesn't seem like it's a lack of effort that's stopping them 
getting over the line. It is just a case of... I, I, it's an execution thing. I, you know, is it a case of, are they pressing too hard? Are they, tr- uh, are they trying to do something uh, a little bit too much? But, look, defensively, they have been good. Obviously, the Perth match aside in this run, it was fine. Like, they're... They haven't been bad that way. It's just a case of... I feel like they're putting too much pressure now on a backline that, for the past season and a half, has been, by and large, absolutely phenomenal. And with the growth we've seen of Macaulay Gillespie, with the leadership of Tom Aldred, this is a defence that is good enough to have uh, Brisbane hosting a final uh, this season. But because they've scored two goals in their last six matches, it's all of a sudden a massive issue and something that we do need to, I suppose, really start to get concerned about. Now, we did see two changes as Warren Moon tried to freshen things up. And Adam, we'll go to you with this. Joey Champness and Jesse Daly came in for Ramadak Bari, who just signed a uh, contract extension. So fantastic reward for that by going to the bench. uh, And Golgol Mabratu. What do you feel like those changes should have brought to the team, Adam? Well, that's the thing is, I don't think it brings much. I think it's just it's just rotation almost for the sake of of rotation. Like, I think for mine, I think going back to your, your just your earlier point there, is that I think what the Raw really lack at the moment is that cutting edge, that, that X factor, which I think at the moment is in the hands of a 36-year-old Scott McDonald with, you know, a, a bum hamstring. And that's and that's where's the difference at the moment, I believe, for the Raw, is that they like you look at the other teams that are, you know, in, in the league at the moment, you know, that are you know, in contending. There are there are game breakers. There are guys that, yeah, you think, yeah, well, they can bring that bit of extra spark. I, I, I'm thinking, you know, a guy like a Ninkovic for Sydney, you know, a Castro for Perth, you know, um, any multitude of players for, you know, a Melbourne City. You know, even, even you know, you, you, you sort of rely on a guy like, you know, a, a Matt Simon for Central, for Central Coast. The, the, the Raw just seem, they, they're, they seem like they're a great you know, team as far as that, they've got the whole, you know, a great team aspect, but this doesn't seem to be that one player that, you know, can, at the, in the present squad that's fit, that can just spark it up. And I think, you know, relying on Dylan Wenzel Halls, that's why I think people would sort of say is that, oh, um, Dylan Wenzel Halls is your, is your um, spark plug, but are we relying too much on him to, 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 um, to do too much at his age? I'm not, I'm not actually sure Dylan Wenzel Halls was the, the spark plug in this game. I thought it was the addition of Joey Champness and and Jesse Daly, who when they came on a week ago at, at um, Morton Daly Stadium up there in Redcliffe, they added a lot of energy because they came on pretty much straight after the goal. And you think about the way the Raw ran over the top of Sydney in the last 10, 15 minutes of that game. A lot of it was Champness running at Sydney and Daly's energy in midfield. So I thought, they, I thought Warren tried to add a bit of that energy in midfield and a bit more of that pace in the front third. And I do think it actually kind of worked when you think about the fact that Champness got in behind them and ran at them once in the first five minutes, and then after that, clearly Mark Rudin told Tomoki Imai, just foul him. Every time he get any, gets anywhere near getting level with you, let alone in behind, just foul him. And that seemed to be the way they negated that. But I thought he tried to add that sort of spark to the front third in this game. It just didn't quite work out on this occasion. They're clearly They're... trying things, James. Yeah, they are. And uh, that's one thing that I suppose we have been a little bit critical of Warren Moon during matches as well. He has been he has left his substitutions a little bit late, but this time he went for it from the start, throwing on Champness and Daly. But 
I think they should have the player who... I think they already do have the player who should be filling that X-Factor role, and that's Riku Danzaki. What is he here for if not to be that link-up player? And we've seen him absolutely just take over and dominate matches. And I feel like he's the sort of player who really should be making things happen. Well, I was actually going to say, look, I I will actually, you know, with Scott mentioned, is that I actually thought, yeah, that, you know, you're right, Champness really did for the first half an hour of of this match, really sort of did add that spark. They probably could have, like I said, that, uh, if it wasn't for um, Ryan Scott's remarkable save, that they probably should have been 1-0 up and uh, off Riku Danzaki, his uh, shot. So, but after that, I just felt that, you know, that West, that West United pretty much um, sort of weathered the storm and they just they just grinded their way in, back into the game. So I think it did work, but I think you need more than you know, half an hour of a spark because if, if they get held out like they did, um, I just had, after, I, I felt this game was one goal was going to win it. Whoever was going to win, it was going to one goal. And unfortunately for, for us, it was uh, Western United that, that did score that goal. Yeah, and that's a, that's the frustrating thing is knowing that's the sort of fixture that you're going to have to win as the season goes on, whether it's, you know, a, a finals match or possibly in the back end of this year, an FFA Cup match where style points don't really matter. You just have to be able to get the result. And I do feel like the defensive resolve is there. But going back to the point, just quickly on Scott McDonald, I did mention this last week, and I don't want to linger on the A-League side too much because we do have a much more positive story to get to uh, afterwards. But I do just feel like the Scott McDonald issues popped up way before... Uh, well, the scoring issues popped up way before Scott McDonald's hamstring started to really bug him. So I do, I do kind of feel like that's just a bit of a cop-out excuse where I think teams saw exactly what the Raw were doing and whether it's a case of they just didn't have the energy or focus to try and execute at that exact same level uh, that they did against the victory in Adelaide. And looking back now, I think Adelaide is a much better side than we gave them credit for on that night. But overall, I, yeah, I just feel like they just haven't been able to execute with that same intensity and verve, perhaps because some teams have figured them out or just because trying to play at that intensity in 30-plus degree heat maybe isn't the most sustainable way forward. Scott, final point, then we'll move on. No, I agree with you about McDonald. I think there's a lot of people looking at him. As soon as he comes back, all this is going to magically be fixed, and I'm not sure that's that's accurate, to be honest with you, James. And it's interesting, because pretty much they've tried every combination they have now. They've given Wenzel Halls a really good run this year. They've tried McDonald. They've tried Riku. They've tried Joey. They've tried Golgol. The only one who hasn't got a start yet is Masato Kudo, so I do wonder if they might just, out of I don't want to say out of desperation, just out of just wanting to try all their options. I wonder if he might get an opportunity this week, and we might talk about that a bit later. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, before we do move on to the W League, we probably should quickly do our three, two, ones for this fixture. And Adam, I'm going to have to stitch you up a little bit here. I'm going to make a quick change to the three, two, one votes that I sent through. That's right. Same players, just in a different order. Uh, Riku gets my three votes because I think he was the lone consistent attacking threat throughout the match. Kai Truen gets my two votes because, well, I thought after a rough couple of games, he did massively improve. And Corey Brown gets uh, one vote as well because I still think he has been the Raw's best player uh, since week one. So those are my three two ones. You guys have made your votes and we will continue our player of the season voting and try and present the winner with an award at the end of the campaign. Assuming they haven't all uh, buggered off by... Uh, the morning after the final game. 
Alright. In much, much more positive news, the Raw's W League side returned to Richlands on Friday night and got themselves back into the winner's circle in some style, I would say, as our producer Trixie just uh, growls in the background at, I don't know what, Happy with something. the win. Happy with the win. That's what's going on. <laughs> she absolutely was. It was a 4-2 victory. A hat-trick from Emily Gielnick followed a Mariel Hecker goal, and Chelsea Dorber scored both of Adelaide's. Before we get into our analysis, what do you say we go and hear from the Raw coach, Jake Goodship? Let's go first. Jake, 4-2 winners tonight over Adelaide. It was a really good performance in the second half, but the first half was a tight contest. What are your thoughts on the match overall? Yeah, look, the first half was a bit a bit tight. I thought we dominated possession really well. We enjoyed moving the ball. They didn't really fret, although we didn't either. We didn't create any clear enough chances. Half-time, we changed a few things, had a chat, showed them some video, and, um, yeah, the second half was a lot more pleasing, and we changed and shifted a couple of players around, and, yeah, had, had a good effect. Emily Gillick with a hat trick time must make it easy if you as a coach there to have a striker in such a red hot form like that to have the ball in the back and, and some really good finishes from some team goals as well. Yeah, very pleasing. And you know, Em's first one to say that she should have scored four or five. Um, she had another good couple of opportunities. But yeah, very pleasing to have the caliber of a player like Em. She tries so hard in training and for it to come off in, in, in a game situation, very happy as a coach. And two assists there for Isabel Dong. It must be pleasing to see her add some some impact in the front there to a, yeah. to a really solid working midfield as well. I think nine assists for her this season. Um, I think that's probably the most, almost, well, in the double league in the last few years. So, And she's a holding midfield player, so she doesn't get spoken about enough. She has a real effect on the game. I think again today, she went backwards a bit too much in possession. She kept going back instead of trying to break the press. But, you know, she's comfortable on the ball. She'll play with a, mayor, a player on her. So, yeah, I think she's, she's a good signing. All right, so that was Jake Goodship after the match. And Scott... I think it's fair to say, uh, after the doom and gloom of the defeat in Canberra, the good times have returned for the W League. Well, they most certainly did, because they know where the goal are in the W League, because they scored four of them at the weekend, and it could have been five, six, or seven with the chances that they created over the 90 minutes. It was a really, really good performance in a must-win game from this rural side, and that's the positive sign that they did bounce back after a really poor performance last week in a must-win game at home against the inform Adelaide side, and... For the first half, they didn't really give Adelaide much of a sniff. They had one chance, Adelaide, and in full credit to them, they took it. But for the majority of the game, this was played on the Raw's terms in, in relation to the fact that it was the Raw were on the attack or in control of possession for the majority of the game. Adelaide's first goal came from a Raw mistake. So the Raw were in control of this for the majority, and it was a really, really pleasing bounce back from what was a pretty disappointing game down in Canberra. And there were a few individual standouts, Emily Gilnick's Hattrick, as we know, is, we know how the quality that she can bring. Marielle Hecker almost brought the grandstand down at Lions by finally getting that goal for the Raw <laughs> at, at Lions. Team. I know for a fact that there were some Lions officials not too far from us, and they were absolutely thrilled when that goal went in. And I think Isabel Dalton's really taken her game to another level this year and with her creativity in the front third, not just her holding midfield play. It's, it's in the front third. You heard there from Jake Goodship, it's nine assists for the season. It's an unbelievable return, and I thought... I thought that it was just a really good team performance across the board. Absolutely, Adam. Well, I, I can't read much more what Scott said. That's pretty much the whole summary of the game, but I will, I will uh, contribute. You can ask for the summary, so <laughs> I will contribute with a bit of facts. Um, Emily Gilnick's uh, hat trick, the fifth fastest in um, in W League history at 18 minutes, and is the 43rd hat trick in W League history. So, so, so yeah. Um, but look, she. She was uh, fantastic, you know. She she is showing the dominant player that you know we that that you know they hope that they that she would be 
uh, this season. And you know, when she plays well, there are results, and, and she hasn't really had, other than sort of, you know, a bit of frustrating time earlier in the season. You know, since since that Melbourne game um, on the Gold Coast, even even in you know draws or losses, that she has been you know the standout player. And look, I think uh, she looks like she will be probably the Golden Boot winner. And a well-deserved golden boot as well. I think it's just amazing seeing how much of a swinging confidence that game on the Gold Coast brought for Gielnik because like, she's like she looked absolutely just beaten down and battered when uh, we saw her at uh, Dolphin Stadium or and Dolphin Stadium. I'm thinking like that draw with Canberra back in January when it was still called Dolphin Stadium as well, not Morton Daly. Thank you. I. Yeah, I've got to get it. I've got to get it right, Mister Mayor. But overall, yeah, just something—the dam broke—and all of a sudden, now she is. I would argue, outside of maybe Michelle Heyman, the most dangerous attacking threat in the entire competition, and that is exactly what you want uh, from you know your marquee striker heading into this point in time of the season, Scott. I think she's more dangerous than Michelle Heyman. I think Emily Yonick is the most dangerous attacker in the W League at the moment. Well, I don't. I don't want to irritate the. Um, slightly more sensitive portion of Twitter who might not be completely aware that Brisbane actually still exists and <laughs> more so just the two states below us. I, I'm, I will irritate those people, but yeah. I, Emily Gunnick's been absolutely fantastic for the Raw this year, and it was very evident. You think back to that interview Adam referenced in the Newcastle game down there at Hunts Team after they drew that game. I think it was the, was that, that was the fourth straight yes. draw from memory to start the season, and the you could tell the frustration was there about the fact that it just wasn't quite clicking. Well, since then, pretty much everything has clicked. Family Gilnick and the Roar in the front third, and it's been. It was her performance at the weekend was on oh, Friday was absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of competition for spots in that front third in the Matildas side, but Emily Gilnick's right now. You'd have to say probably the most in form of all of those across the world. I know a couple um, of them are in good form in the UK, but <laughs> the form Emily Gilnick's showing out here is really, really impressive. Other than one Sam Kerr, who uh, who also scored Catrick of her own over the weekend. We don't need to talk about her. No, no, exactly. But it's from a Matilda's point of view. But yeah, look, at the moment, I Chelsea think... Chelsea don't count. Yeah, no, at the moment, I actually <laughs> think they're probably, based on form, um, I think that, that front three for the Matildas would be uh, Kerr, Ford and Gilnick. I think that's, I think that's if you're looking at global form, I, I honestly think that that's, that's what it is at the moment. And she's played her way. She's come through adversity through the early part of the season. And she's now really hitting his stride. I Back just, me up here, Adam. Back I me up just, here, James. Come on. Yeah, I, I just want to say there's only uh, one star Matilda striker playing for a big club in London, and that is, in fact, Caitlin Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like to think of Sam Kerr playing for Chelsea as uh, Kerr doing some charity work, personally. Yeah. I knew I could roll on you to back me up on that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying it's nice of Sam Kerr to help out the clubs that you know really do need that sort of assistance. Chelsea fans, right of reply, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, just for the record. Yes. Just saying, North London is red. It's a, it's a good week yeah, for me at the moment. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, yeah, so because there's no W League match coming up this weekend, we might extend our W League uh, discussion by talking about basically what's going on. So there's only two more weeks in the entire season. As... Uh, Scott, the Raw still have a chance of maintaining of uh, winning the Premiership. Can you run through basically how that has to happen? 
Yeah, okay, so right now, the Sydney FC lead the table on 24 points. They have a game in hand on the Raw who are on 22. So for that to happen, pretty much, Sydney FC do need to falter in these last two games. They play, I think it's Melbourne victory at home this weekend, and they play Canberra in the last game. And those two sides are going to be fighting out for spots in the final. So they're no easy games for Sydney by any stretch of the imagination, but they're going to have to slip up in probably both of those games. At most, they're going to be able to get a point because I think if it gets out, if they win, the, if they win one game, the Raw can't catch them, basically. So they're going to have to basically drop at least four points out of six in those. So Sydney FC pretty much have one hand on the Premier's plate in the W League this season, but the Raw do find themselves in a pretty good spot in terms of the chance to host a semi-final. They're three points clear of Adelaide, who they've played the same number of games. So I think Brisbane do, are probably likely to be in the favourites for that second spot to host a semi-final, but there's a slim chance they might be able to get the Premier's plate. As for securing finals football, Melbourne Victory have to win at the weekend, otherwise Brisbane are guaranteed a spot in the finals. Well, that's not is... fully official yet either, because Victory a... have got three games to play. There is a match on, actually, in about two hours from when we're talking as well. Perth are playing uh, Melbourne victory as well. So that will probably have a bit of an impact on the table by the time you're listening to this, because... So they well, could very well catapult into position to host the a, host a second semi-final as well. Yeah, so just doing the quick maths here. Uh, Sydney, but they just need to get to 26 points. So two draws would be enough for them to uh, win the Premiership. Uh, Brisbane... Their maximum points is 25. They're currently on 22 with one game to play. Adelaide, they can still technically catch the Raw. They only have one game remaining as well. They've got a buy in the final week, I'm assuming, based on the uh, yeah fixture list. Just what I'm reading now. Adelaide can still catch the Raw, but they have to turn around a 12-goal goal difference at the moment. So basically, they would need to win by six, and have the Raw lose by six without scoring. And actually, I'm fairly certain I've got that wrong. Adelaide would need to win by seven and have the Raw lose by five. Yeah. Because that Brisbane's last to... game is Newcastle, who are out of it at home anyway. So you would assume they should be able to get something at home against Newcastle. Which I know, takes but I Adelaide like... out of the equation. I know, but I like trying to do live maths while we're recording because yeah. it's really <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> yeah, so basically... Uh, Canberra can still uh, reach 24 points. The Victory uh, women can... I Victory think can almost... get to 26, by the way. Yeah, Victory, Victory women can get to 26 points, or as it's otherwise known, about four times what their A-League side is on at the moment. <laughs> and yeah, so basically it, it's a five-horse race for the four-team finals. Um, I would say you can just about start making plans for three weeks from now when the semi-finals will be. It's just a case of where, when, and who they'll be playing. So overall, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot still to play for. We just have to hope that Sydney uh, trip up and give the Raw something to really go for in that final week. Yeah, um, I think looking at the five, I think I think Raw, you can pretty much say, uh, other than a catastrophic disaster and some sort of really interesting results, because a lot of these teams also play each other as well. I know um, Sydney have go, both got Canberra and Melbourne uh, in there, so maybe that might be the hope that the Raw needs to, you know, maybe, you know, I'd say it's now getting to the point where it's to pinch the premiership from Sydney. I think it's Sydney's premiership to lose, but uh, if Canberra 
and Melbourne victory are both desperate enough to stay in the finals race. Look, you never know. Um, Adelaide, do they play their final game next uh, this this weekend against in front of a huge crowd? Um, a huge crowd. They've got uh, free tickets on offer at Cooper Stadium, so they're, they're looking to break the uh, season, the regular season attendance record on the weekend. But um, but yeah, look, they. Uh, I think Raw. I think are probably of those chasing pack. I think probably are looking probably the, the prettiest as far as you know their finals hopes go. But they still got to beat Newcastle, um, you know, in two weeks' time. Yeah, Scott. Sorry, I just remembered I forgot to ask you this question, James. We like our stats here on Brisbane Football Review. Emily Gunnick's hat-trick at the weekend, obviously. Can anyone remember when the last W League hat-trick was? For the Raw? For the Raw. Didn't she get one against uh, against uh, Victory on the Gold Coast? No. Okay. Uh, let me think. Um... I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Bogey the stats. Okay. No, she, uh, she got two. Was it in... Okay, let me just narrow it down. Was You're better it, off guessing the player than the year, I can tell you that much. Uh, was it Hayley Rasso? No. I get a distinct feeling more... Uh, it wasn't Alira Toby, was it? No. Hmm. It was Katrina Gorey way back in season six. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Apologies to uh, Katrina Gary for not remembering that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a while ago, to be fair. It's been a while between hat tricks and the W League for the Raw. There we go. Okay, well, that's the W League recap done. We don't have a match really to uh, talk about this coming weekend. So, why, don't, why do you say we move on to the news? I think so. Sounds good. All right, Ravanek Bari signed a contract extension with the Raw. This is what he had to say uh, to the club media channel. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to extend my contract, and we've got a great team here, so I want to bring out a lot of success. Obviously, you, you, know, you made your debut here a couple of years ago. It's you know, probably a club that means quite a bit to you. Yeah, this is my hometown club. You know, I've made my debut, like you said. Um, you know, I, I love this club. You know, I've, I, I was a fan when I was younger. You know, it's, it's, part, of, it's part of me, you know. Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, when I came into preseason, you know, he came up and told me, you know, I have trust in you. So and that that helps me a lot, you know. Uh, gave me the opportunity and trust, and I'm um, showing that for him. Okay, so Ramanak Bari staying with the Raw. Scott, happy with it? Yeah, very happy with it. We said in the season preview, James, it was a massive year for Ramat in terms of taking a step forward from being a squad player to being a player who featured regularly in the first team, either on the bench or in the actual starting lineup. And He's played in all 11 games so far, and he's added... I think he does that underrated job of just recycling possession and moving the ball quickly, creating the starting point of those opportunities. When the ball comes out from the back, quickly cycling it out to the fullbacks or to a Jay O'Shea or somebody to kickstart the attack. So I think he's really found a, a good role there that suits him. And I think it's it's been a good start to the year and a well-deserved contract extension, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a... Uh big progression we've seen from him this year is he's not trying to run the show from midfield, but he is doing a fantastic supporting job trying to just get the ball to O'Shea and Riku and just 
keeping the game uh, going from the Raw's perspective. Yeah, look, it was um, obviously a, a lot of people thought that he was lost to the Raw after he left to go to the victory, and obviously didn't didn't fully work out. But um, yeah, credit to him that you know he's really sort of fought back, and this season especially, we, it's, as Scott mentioned, we did mention the preview that it was a big year for him, and I think the contract extension is a reward for what has been a very good season. He did he did start a bit sort of you know shakily, but look. He's, play, he's played all 11 games this season. Obviously, uh, Warren Moon days him as a integral part of the side, and they're the sort of players that you want to be um, giving contract extensions to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the one thing that I think we can all say is a very good thing about uh, Warren Moon is he's very loyal to his guys. Even going back to his time managing Penn Power and Lions, if he has guys that he likes and he knows we'll do a job for him. He's more than happy to back them in um, with not only playing time, but now that he's with, uh, with the Raw especially, contract extension. So uh, I'm actually quite happy to see Akbari sticking around for at least another couple of years. And he is, from memory, the third or fourth player to uh, extend his day with the Raw this season. Obviously, we had Aldred and O'Shea. I think it's the third. third yeah. oh, that's the third, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Um, TV Getting rights. that business done early. Yeah, that. well, you don't want to have to do it all at once. This, is, this isn't trying to run a FIFA manager mode or something. <laughs> okay, TV rights. There was a story out there from an alleged reporter, which I don't really want to get into too much discussion of because, frankly, it do- doesn't uh, warrant any more oxygen than that. But the Sydney Morning Herald, Dom Bossy, is saying that um, the APL clubs may be forced to keep the uh, season in summer due to a lack of interest from broadcast partners and in a way I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised to see this coming after our initial excitement of the season possibly moving to winter just because I suppose yeah if if you are going to follow the lead of Super Rugby and go to the combination of Stan Sport and Nine just purely as the example I suppose it's not all that surprising Adam that they're not going to want another sport to help fill out their uh, already stacked winter schedule. Yeah, look, I think this is, this is the moment of truth, I guess, you know, and the, I guess maybe potentially the first challenge to uh, James, James Johnson's tenure at Football Australia as far as what his sort of thoughts, you know, his thoughts and what he's putting out there as the future of the game. Um because I think it was all sort of set to go where um, football was going to be, you know, aligned as far as, you know, the football pyramid and pretty much a lot of the, the sort of, you know, having a unified sort of, you know, com- competitions with the with the grassroots, you know, in winter was you know, one of the big, the, one of the pillars of the um, of the 11 principles. So the, the fact that the um, Australian professional leagues have all of a sudden sort of said for the sake of television rights and, and revenue saying, you know, oh, maybe we need to stick to to summer this is again this might be um very very interesting as far as you know where the true power sort of lies in football at the moment yeah this is going to be very very interesting to see whether who who actually gets to make this decision in terms of signing a a tv contract and the parameters of when the league's going to be played is it an apl decision through independence or is that still a james johnson decision i'll be very interested to see how that plays out because i think both of them are going to have some conflicting views if that story is correct but those two stories James to me all it tells me is that negotiations are underway I don't know if there's any truth in either one of those stories to be brutally honest with you I mean clearly one of them is spin from the current broadcaster to try and get the 
the um, number down in terms of the average annual value of what they'll have to pay for it. The other one, who knows whether there's any, who knows. We don't, we don't know if, how much interest there is from other TV TV rights holders or not. To be brutally honest, we don't know, but clearly the negotiations are underway. I'm more intrigued to Adam's point about who gets to make this final decision. Is it going to be the APL or is it going to be James Johnson? Well, that for me got, uh, comes down to what's more important. Is it getting the competition in front of as many eyeballs as possible or is it a case of getting it in a position where arguably we're going to give the league the best chance to uh, function because I, I admit, like, my preference is still to see it move to winter and just basically say, screw it, if you want to watch the A-League, if you want to go to a match, you'll find a way to go. Who cares if there's a clash with rugby league, rugby union, AFL, whatever. However, there is something to be said about uh, taking a deal that may not be as financially beneficial but at least it's getting it in front of a few more eyebrows uh, eyeballs i beg your pardon well probably also would be eyebrows as well but overall so i think that's the big dilemma that they're probably going to have to try and uh, get into because i think it's fair to say like this is probably the best a-league season we've seen raw current results aside but uh we've seen probably in i would say since maybe the 15 16 season uh john aloisi's first year with the raw and when, like, just before that Sydney dynasty really kicked off. Yeah, the season's been absolutely fantastic so far. You think about the storylines that have emerged with the Mariners' revival and all the rest of it, the quality of the play and the goals have been fantastic, and they're only going to get better as we move into the winter conditions. It's unfortunate the marketing and the promotion isn't there and that the mainstream is not paying as much attention to it as we would have liked. With the, the other thing you got to remember, though, with this TV deal is the pie has to be split. There's 12 clubs now. Plus, the APL itself is going to need some money to fund that as well. So it's going to be have to be split 13 different ways, potentially. And if it's going to have to cover the salary cap, it's going to have to be a reasonably decent number to cover that. So, uh, yes, you want to make sure you get maximum exposure and eyeballs, but you've also got to get a, a number which allows the clubs to function successfully as well. So it's such a it's such a fine balance. I can see why they're looking to, to summer, if that is where the bigger money is, but... I think the quality of football will be better in winter. And the long term, really, if the game's going to align, we're going to have second division promotion, relegation, and all the rest of it. It's got to happen. Yeah, I think if you're going for alignment, it's got to be winter. But on that as well, Scott, like, I'm so sick of hearing the, oh, it, our game only matters if mainstream media covers it, which is basically useful. It'll just help right now when you're in TV negotiations if... I just, a bit more buzz publicly in the mainstream. I, I am so sick of hearing that, though, because, look, I'm not going to go on another rant like I did last August, but there's plenty of football coverage out there. You've got, obviously, you know, Vince Regari, Ed Jackson, uh, just to name a few of, like, the really good quality reporters and writers that are covering football on a national stage. And even then, in, like, the slightly more, I suppose, fan-driven media like what we do... Obviously, you know, there is still plenty of coverage out there. So don't give me that crap that there's not enough coverage of the game. We well, there's not like, enough coverage. Was no, 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 not you. Buzz, buzz in general if there was. But that's also where it comes on. Um, that's also where it comes on the current fans to maybe do a little bit of promotion themselves as well. You want to know why there's uh, no, like you're not seeing any coverage? Because you're not actually, like it's not getting delivered right in front of your nose. 
like make a little bit of an effort and go research it. You know, obviously you're listening to us because you're a football fan, like right. And the majority of people listening to this are watching and attending games. I think it's fair. To say. Yeah, exactly. But you want to see more coverage. Media is an is a eyeballs and clicks and listens. Everything is driven by how many people are involved in it. So if you're not seeing the mainstream coverage, go support a local uh, production, whether it's us, whether it's, you know, one of the other fan podcasts, whether it's one of the local things. Don't tell me there's no coverage out there as well because that just clearly means you're too damn lazy to try and find it yourself. So don't give me that crap about anything like that. Adam. Yeah, look, and uh, you mentioned uh, Vince Regari uh, earlier, and he brought up a very, very good point, I think, that, you know, which I think that goes against the grain of the traditional sort of how media captures ratings and, and whatnot, is that, that you know, maybe, like I said, they keep on, and a lot of the other codes love to bang on and say, oh, but football's only getting 13,000, you know, 13,000 views on Fox Sports and whatnot. But the point that Vince made was, if you look at your Twitter timelines, he because he's obviously would be at the ground. He he did during the uh, Sydney MacArthur game uh, the other night, and he he, he tweeted out saying that you, you know that a lot of people are watching on you know on KO or My Football Live. It's because something will happen, but the timeline doesn't just go off immediately. It's about thirty seconds later, which is the gap between when the live action happens and when KO is playing it. So there's obviously a massive market for, for you know, football fans and I guess maybe sports fans in general, especially they, they're watching, you know, the A-League on a lot on live stream. But there's no traditional way because um, cause firms like Media Week don't have any way of capturing that metric. So this is the problem where I think that, I think us as football fans... They can capture it. Well, they obviously they don't... They don't put it out there because obviously the, the they do for other sports that's yeah, what, that's well, the problem a... with the story at the weekend is it was purely Foxtel set top box numbers that were quoted not not Foxtel Go not KO Sports and not My Football Live yeah but that's well, that problem. was actually one point that that was one point that Michael Turner who's uh, formerly of around the block in the Wanderers game day in stadium host he was pointing out that like it's no coincidence that obviously uh, Fox Sports has decided to combine their streaming numbers to say it was a record weekend for NRL round one. But when it comes to releasing figures for the A-League, it's just the streaming boxes. It's just the uh, set-top boxes. So make of that what you will, but uh, this is where football... It's pretty easy to make what it is, to be honest. Yeah, I know. But that's also where, again, I'm not going to go off on another rant here, but this is where football fans need to stop being... uh, Or they need to be a lot smarter stop and think for a second, maybe try and apply a little bit of analytical thought to this and maybe try and find a practical solution to a lot of these issues, right? As I said, you know, there is no reason to not watch the A-League because just look at last night, Wellington, Western Sydney. I guarantee you 18 months ago, most people would have said, I cannot be bothered sitting through that crap because it's going to, like, you know, it's going to be 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 and maybe two minutes of highlights that was a phenomenal game last night and obviously you can tell the difference in the you can tell the people who are suffering from a massively defeatist attitude because they're the ones talking about that like VAR call which I still maintain was technically right whether it was it was a correct application of the rule as opposed to what was a phenomenal game between two clubs that really are on the rise in 2021 so yeah I, I do think there is 
so much to get into and enjoy about the A-League. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the fans. And if they want to just sit back in their chair, whinge, bitch and moan, or if they want to actually uh, try and help grow the game. Because now's the time to get back on the bandwagon. Scott, final thought. It is. No, it is. I mean, this is... These are salvos number one from from probably the broadcast side of things in what's going to be a probably lengthy and ultimately frustrating battle to, before we get to whatever the new TV deal looks like with whoever it ends up being. This, is, this isn't this is the end of it. This is unfortunately just the beginning. We saw it it's, last year when it carried on for month after month after month. Unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of that. It's PR 101. Adam, yeah. final thought. I was going to say, with the, un- the only final thought I have is that whatever happens... We are we are three months and fourteen days away from this current uh, broadcasting deal expiring, and the worst thing that could possibly happen to football in this country is that we don't have an agreement with any broadcaster come the first of July. That would be a disaster. So, whoever it is, whoever is dealing when with, depends when season's going to start, though, Adam. Well, it, it, like I said, at the end of the day, they need there needs to be certainty because if yeah. if. The, every day that there wouldn't be agreement after the 1st of July, the, the, the value on the league just goes down and down and down because the desperation is going to go up and up and up. That being said, Adam, um, I will say the one thing that probably will force action is the FFA Cup. I think that is going to be massively telling about the interest level on who might want to broadcast the league beyond June 30th. Okay, we could probably do another half hour on that. We will not because I. We have to at some point, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And I think if we keep going, there's every chance I may swear a lot. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that rant, actually. That was good. Good to see you fire up again. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's been. It's the weather. It has that impact on me. Anyway, uh, Asian Champions League. Look, we're not going to touch on this any more than just say. Uh, the playoff qualification games and any potential Group A fixtures for the Raw will take place in Thailand, currently scheduled now for June or July. Uh, God, I hope that doesn't clash with the finals uh, match. Should the Raw actually make it, which, barring a massive turnaround in form, they may not. Yeah, yeah. we'll have to wait until it's going to happen. They keep sliding, don't they? We saw this last year that slid and slid and slid right to the back end of the year, and they played it in a central hub somewhere. I wouldn't be shocked if that's where it ends up happening again, because at the moment, international travel is still, for everyone around the world, miles off the, off the radar. I still, yeah, I still stand my original point. I don't, I don't think ACL 2021 will happen. So I'm not, no. that's about as much as I'm going to add to that conversation. Yep, that's really all we can say. Um, quickly, now, this is probably a perfect time to plug more coverage that we are bringing you on the Brisbane Football Review, and that is Scott and Adam's NPL Sunday uh NPL Sunday show. I was about to call it the special, but it's not really special if it's every week. Well, it is week. special, it's but it's every week. <laughs> uh, how Scott, how many, not ta- special. how many takes did the introduction uh, require? Oh, well, two for two so far. Going well. Oh, there we go. St- starting to uh, mature as a weekend host. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Um, because we do have the NPL Sunday show, we're not going to get into the weekend's results too much but I do quickly just want to go quickly around the horn and say Scott what was your standout uh, storyline from the weekend well I'll go with what actually wasn't in the Sunday show I talked about last night with um, Capalabar and Lions it was a tough watch given the conditions down there at at Max Haynes Field it was the rain was sheeting in but it was 
an unbelievable win for Kapalabar to get to get over the top of lines by three goals to two and a couple of really good goals there from Kapalabar as well. So maybe there might be a much more competitive side at home once again this year, which will bode well for them as they look to try and stay in the competition once again. And I will say on that very quickly, I'm not reading too much into that from uh, Lions' perspective as well. Miserable Monday night out at Kapalabar, which, look, it's a lot of fun uh, to watch football out there, but as a visitor on a rainy Monday night, it's not a great spot. And to be totally honest, I think we all expected the match to be called off. I wouldn't Uh, have wanted to play last night, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Adam, uh, what was your takeaway from the weekend? Uh, I think... For, Do you want me to come back? No, to you? no, I, no, no. I think <laughs> I, I think to yeah. I'm still tossing up on pretty much that. I and I, it's pretty much repeated what I said on the uh, Sunday show was that we're already seeing signs that the, that uh, other than the result last night, which may shake that theory a little bit. But the cream is already rising to is already rising to the top in in the league after two weeks. But, uh, but um, look, I think the rise of Morton Bay. I think they they've been. They've been fantastic so far, and Brisbane and Brisbane Royal Academy, um, even though they haven't sort of beaten too much as far as sort of opposition goes form-wise, but we're, we're going to learn a lot uh, coming up. But I think um, the teams are unbeaten at the moment. I think they might be in this for a while. Yep, I'm going to say uh, on the match that I commentated on, Gold Coast United Morton Bay. I don't think Gold Coast are necessarily an O for two team. I kind of feel like they're going to be much more competitive and to be honest especially that first half Adam you were out there as well standing just beneath where I was commentating that had the feel of a like physical battle that you'll see probably in the finals as well and I think though Gold Coast were very very close and I like Gray Pittick obviously was very very frustrated with the refereeing and you know so I think that while you know yelling and screaming and questioning the guy's credentials might not be the best way to get a, a 50-50 decision to go your way. Kind of did have a point. There were a few uh, decisions that raised their eyebrows, but you do have to play what's in front of you. But yeah, in short, my big takeaway is that I think Gold Coast United, uh, over 2 start, but I don't think they'll be uh, winless for too much longer. They've just had a horrible beginning to the season as well. They've got a lot of tough uh, contests. I think it'll be on the subject of Gold Coast. Um, look, it could be a game-changing, cha- season-changing thing if they can knock over Peninsula Power uh, this weekend. That's what they have next. So um, it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But again, um, as we saw last night uh, with with Kapalabar, that you know, if, if you don't show up. Uh, mentally or physically for a game, you know, even even the bottom teams are going to you know get a result. And for Kapalabar, that win, that win last night, that's that's three less points I have to pick up to for survival. So that might be, you know, when they're looking back at if they're there in 2022 in the NPL, uh, that might be the night they said, well, you know what, they made a difference. Scott, yeah, Gold Coast will be fine. They've got a really tough start. They played Olympic. They played Morton Bay, who are going to be really good, and they're playing Peninsula Power this weekend. So it's a tough start for them. I want to give a bit of credit to Magpies, actually. I thought they were really, really impressive in the game I watched on Saturday night on the live stream. They were they were really, really competitive and served it up to Olympic, and you could tell they were up for it, given it was their first home NPL game in almost 12 months. So it was they were really up for it, and but for a red card, they might have actually got something out of that game because they, they were ahead in that game. Oh, they were, yes, they were ahead in that game at that point, and they could have gone on with it. Yep. Okay, uh... 
Before we move on to the A-League preview for the weekend coming, um, Adam, there's something you quickly wanted to touch on as well from the Victory Adelaide game. Yeah, look, uh, it's an interesting sort of... um it's interesting sort of uh, issues that, that cropped up with um, with uh, Kaseni Yangi when he scored his second goal in the celebration after it. And I guess the, the, the something that the spectre of racism in in football at the moment sort of really sort of uh, reared its head again. And um, look, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation because I guess the one question would be, especially those who are you know, sort of, you know, sort of looking for an excuse as to why that, you know, if he doesn't go and incite, you know, the, the Melbourne victory crowd, then, then, he, then, you know, this, none of this happens. But look, to me, let the young guy celebrate in a big game and look, at no place, at no stage, and this also, this also touches on to another incident locally as well, which I'm not going to give any airtime to, that no matter what, racism has no place in sport it has no place in football, and like I said, the, the um, and quite frankly, just the whole, you know, sort of reaction on Instagram, the racist talking, all that, it's just not on. But you know, as far as there, there is a question, you know, should he have gone and incited the crowd? Oh, yeah, yes or no. But you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, you know what, racism is not on. Yeah, it's a miracle that. That needs to be said. It nowadays. shouldn't be said in 2021, but unfortunately, it does. And a nice reminder that people are idiots. Scott, Look, who cares where he celebrates? For goodness' sake, he scored a goal and he celebrated. There's been plenty of players over the years who've celebrated in front of opposition fans who have not been subjected to that crap, mm. and that's what it was. Yep. There's no place for it. I don't care where he celebrates. Yep. It was great yep. to see him celebrate. He showed some personality. That's what we want. The league needs personality. Yep. And he showed some of his personality. It was great to see it. It was a good goal. And Adelaide well and truly deserved their win. Yeah. And he yeah. didn't deserve any of that crap which he copped on social media. And that's and, yeah, that, and that's and that's the that's the point of the story is that you know what? I think he would be the first one to cop the barbs from the Northern Terrace and whoever else. But that line of you know of the race racist abuse that was on his Instagram on his Instagram page, not victories and not anything on his Instagram page. That's the point that you know that is you know that that needs to be made is not on. You know, every, on everything else, you know, that's football, and you know, I'm sure he, he cop the normal sort of you know banter and that, but there's got look, yeah. it's got to be a line. And unfortunately, last night uh, on sorry on Saturday night, that line was crossed by a few idiots, you know, hiding behind their keyboard, which seems to be ruining it for everyone as per usual. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought social media? A little bit of a cesspit. Um, the authorities yeah. could deal with that but we're getting to the, the crossover period now where there's players who are now playing in this competition who grew up watching these A-League sides as fans in a sense Ramanek Bari mentioned his, mm. in this clip earlier for example Kusini Yengi on Fox on Saturday night said I grew up watching Adelaide United play against Melbourne Victory at Highmarsh and they were a team I always loved to see Adelaide beat we're getting to that point now where there's players yep. in the A-League who do have strong feelings against opposition clubs and if they're expressing it on the field by celebrating in front of them get over it yep it's a, yeah. it's, it's the next it's the next evolution of of this league and you're right that you know the guys like Cassini Yangi are the next generation that you know we're like we're told this is where the tribalism begins when you were a child you want to play for, for Adelaide 
you know, to beat up on the original rivals being the victory. And you know what? He The spotlight was shining on him. Good on him from celebrating. And he didn't deserve the crap that he got for it. Yeah, and look, that that's also welcome to sports fandom in 2021, which is, oh, we want personality. We want excitement. We want discussion points. But don't go too far. God forbid you actually do something. like. It's not... Yeah, and there are plenty of other sports where I'm sure they will happily take that sort of uh, attitudes, and but it does not belong in football, plain and simple. Okay. Now that like we obviously try to keep it fairly lighthearted here, but that is something that definitely did warrant a mention. And another reminder of, if you were the sort of person to racially abuse Yangi, uh, you can go keep walking out beyond the Redcliffe Peninsula into the water. Anyway... Uh, Wellington-Brisbane this Saturday in the A-League. We'll try and keep this short because we have been going for nearly an hour now and I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. Plus, the NPL is kicking off in about 20 minutes. We hope. <laughs> I've heard anything Yeah, so, so the Raw are playing the Wellington Phoenix of Wollongong in Newcastle as part of a doubleheader at McDonald Jones Stadium. I love this initiative. Just get an uh, A-League doubleheader at McDonald Jones Stadium. Raw have got a pretty good uh, record against Wellington and in Newcastle, but Scott, do you have any confidence in the Raw at the moment? I've got confidence in the defence. I I have to see the attack function before I have any real confidence in it. At this point, we've been, what, nearly nearly 10 hours of football, James, with two goals. And one 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 of those was... was, Yeah, a gift. And one of them was an absolute gift from Andrew Redmayne for Dylan Wenzel Hall. So I have to see the attack function... I think they're going to create plenty of chances once again, James. It's just I have to see them take them before I fully buy in on it at this point. And I think that's that's fair to say given they've created an abundance of opportunities not taking them at the moment. I'm really intrigued to see if he sticks with that front third of, of Champness, Wenzel Halls and Riku and the pace that they have. I wonder if he'll stick with that or not. Because I think it, there's potential for that to work against the Wellington side who are also very attacking. Definitely. Adam... Yeah, do you, what sort of uh, what's your confidence level? Look, um, I believe that you you make your own luck, and if one goes in, it will start to flow. And I think that's what it comes down to is they're creating chances, they're stifled, they're, they're they're defending well. It's just a matter of getting that ball in the back of the net by any means necessary, be it yo know, yeah, be it fluke, be it own goal, be it yo know, a penalty. I think that, you know, it's, it's just a matter of you get one, the second's going to come, and, and that's how it is. At the moment, they, they feel a little bit unlucky, you know. Poor old Riku Danzaki, you know, on, you know, probably put it, put you know, Lash's probably his best shot, you know, his time here, and it was saved. So, you know, like I said, it's just a matter of someone's going to score one, and it'll be a catalyst. But until then, if they still keep on squandering the amount of opportunities, I think we're going to be saying the exact same thing next week. Yep. Okay. Well, with that in mind, we may as well move on to our predictions for the weekend. And Scott, yep. I'm going to lead off with you. What are we going to be talking about this time next week? Well, despite what I just said, I'll go positive. Why not? We've got to have some positivity. I think that's got to be the message. Positivity. That's got to be the message all week. In that, but in terms of no, in terms of coaching, and so when he's coaching this team, we've got to build up the positives. So I'll go positive. They will get. They will get their goal. They'll get two of them, and they'll win the game. Two one. Adam. What are we going to be talking about? Oh, uh, high-scoring thriller in Newcastle. And uh, I think the Raw might finally break their duck. I'm going to upset quite a few of the uh, pom-pom waivers and say 
that until I actually see the rule, the Roar of Now approach, do not tip territory. Two goals in six matches is not good enough. Six matches without a win is really frustrating. And until I actually see uh, something, I'm going to just continue to tip against the Raw. So I'm going to say, we're going to be talking about another uh, frustrating afternoon for the Raw as their attack gets stifled in Newcastle. Adam? I think also as well, this, is, this would be also, you know, we'll talk about Warren Moon as well as a coach. This would be sort of almost um, rarefied territory for him because I, I don't recall, even at local level, him going through a period where he hasn't won in six games. You know, he, he you know, was a compulsive winner in the local leagues, you know, you know, no matter which club he was coaching or even playing for. So I just, like I said, I'm sure that he'll be, you know, reaching deep into the trick bag to see what he can do to sort of, you know, to get his side up. Because I think even for him, this is, this is uncharted territory. Yep. This is, this is pressure. This is uh, pressure time for Moon and the entire rule side, because you also don't want to uh, head into the back half of the season with far too much to do. And speaking of, that was another story that came out this afternoon. There's uh, fixtures confirmed through to match week 21 for the Raw as well. Uh, you can find those on the Brisbane Raw website. Otherwise, uh, yeah. That, uh, but yeah, this is pressure time now for the Raw and Warren Moon because you don't want to uh, be chasing a final spot in the back end of the season. You'd rather give yourself something to work for or, and chasing a home final. All right. That is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's been a fairly eventful weekend of football here in southeast Queensland. Going to be another massive weekend coming up with action uh, for the Raw's A-League side, NPL men's, women's, Football Queensland Premier League. We're going to bring you all the coverage we can on the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back to talk about it all next week.